Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. If someone has to repeat the question, you screwed up. Okay, that's your feedback. That's a kind of reminder. And then you don't say things like, oh, yeah, thanks for clarifying. No, you say, sorry, you had to repeat the question. I just wasted your time and mine. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Do you consistently find yourself delaying replies to emails or texts? Are you putting off talking to employees or clients because you either don't have an answer for them yet, or you're avoiding the discomfort of the conversation, perhaps? In this third installment from a four-part series on procrastination, we talk about communication and how it relates to integrity. After listening to this, you won't be able to look at customer service or the expectations you have for employees and business colleagues the same ever again. And as with the other two podcast episodes in this series, you'll probably want to break out a copy of the Clear and Open Code of Conduct and follow along. This can be found at clearandopen.com slash code, C-O-D-E. This episode is from a recent weekly member webcast. For more information about the many benefits of Clear and Open membership and how to get the help you need in conversations like this, please go to clearandopen.com. Thanks for listening. Let's dive in. So we've covered integrity now. The other two pieces of the code are about communication and accountability. Communication, you respond to all messages within two business days. Now, the number of days that that is, is up to you and your business and your culture. But to me, I think there's something inherent and essential about two days, give or take eight hours. You know, like when you're at a restaurant and you do the drink order And there's this moment, a certain number of minutes later, where you just have this feeling that the drinks are late. You know, where it's just like, huh, it's been kind of a while since we did that drink order. And you look around and there's this kind of, it's a feeling, you know what I mean? You don't have to look at your watch to get that. So there's a, there's a, there's an essential feeling. There's a perceptible feeling to that. And to me, when I email someone and I don't hear from them for longer than two days, the drinks are late. It's just a relational thing. I'm talking to you, right? It's sort of like if we're talking, there's a length of a pause that you can feel is okay between two people talking. Feel that? That pause was a little too long, right? Starts to get kind of uncomfortable. Now, did anybody have a watch? Oh, that was more than 3.75 seconds. Well, that's no, you can feel it. It's a relational thing. So we have this essentially already feelable when two people are talking, but then it goes into like email and suddenly people's attention to that goes out the window and people stop paying attention. Like for example, when there's an email conversation going on and then I write some semi-challenging, provocative thoughts or questions, and then magically the email thread just disappears. This happens all the time with the people I work with. Hmm, interesting. 
I go out of my way to, in an email, ask some thought-provoking questions, and suddenly they don't feel moved to respond for five, six, seven, eight, nine days. I wonder what was going on. I must have given them some, some things to think about that were uncomfortable, and now they're procrastinating. You see, going back to what Scott brought. Thank you for bringing procrastination. Always an interesting topic. So then what's, what's going on there is a fear comes up. You guys think I don't know that I scare people? I know. Really, the ideas that scare people. I know that. I expect you to go, oh, man, that's uncomfortable. I better take a look at that because that's how change happens. Maybe for fun, one day we'll do a, a whole hour and I'll just say things that are really comfortable for you. We'll talk about, you know, how to improve systems and, you know, better ways of praising people and holding their hands and other conventional business wisdom that doesn't do anything but make people feel better about themselves. That's boring. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I agree. And, you know, if this were like 50 years ago and like management consulting had never existed, then it wouldn't be boring, right? And, but the thing is, it's like we've been covering all that, you know, like Peter Drucker wrote all the books 50 years ago about, you know, well, if you have a process, if you have a, a system for how to do that, maybe it'll go smoother. Uh-huh. Yeah, surely. But the, the more interesting question is, since you've, we've all known this for years and years, why don't you have that already? And the last one you made, what happened to it? And how come people aren't following it? Those are the challenging things that nobody wants to look at. Communicate. Oh, yeah. Uh, we were talking about communication. Respond to all messages within two, two business days. If you do not have an answer, then you say so within the two days. Right? Hey, I did, you never responded to that email. Oh, I didn't have an answer for you. Yeah, I didn't want to respond until I had an answer. Well, how the hell was I supposed to know that? <laughs> This is so obvious. I don't get it. People say this every day. Oh, I didn't want to respond to you until I had an answer. Thanks. So I've been out here twisting in the wind, not knowing what the... Ha I had a deadline. This mattered. I needed to know, right? You see, there's a relationality in that. There's a porosity to the other's world. When you get a question from someone, say in an email, and you don't have an answer to it, and when someone tells themselves, oh, I'm gonna, I don't have an answer for that, and I won't for seven days, so I'll just wait and leave them not knowing for seven days. They're not paying attention to the other person's experience, you see. If you were paying attention to the other person's experience, you'd go, oh, I'm not going to have an answer to this for seven days. And they're going to want to know that. And then you would say, I'll have an answer for you in seven days. And they say, thanks. How hard is that? That's just basic customer service stuff. But... It's not so basic anymore. You, know, you can expect that from places like Amazon, Zappos, but your bank, ha, ha, ha. Oh, my God. I love it. When I talk to people at my bank, they, they say things like, and if you don't hear from us in the next couple of days, feel free to follow up. And I go, hold on a sec. Hold on a second. What's your name? And they tell me. And I go, okay, this is really important. I'm not going to follow up. And that you said that I should feel free to follow up tells me that you're not really owning this issue. This is a, there's a problem that's happened. It's, it's the bank's fault. You are the champion of this project. The time I'm spending talking to you right now 
already is a waste of my time that should not have happened. So you're not going to waste another moment of my time. You are going to own this. You're going to follow through. It is your personal mission to make sure that not another unnecessary moment of my time or money is wasted. Are we in agreement about this? Yes, I actually do that sometimes. Usually I'm about 20% more kind than that. <laughs> and, and sometimes they'll push back and then I'll want to, I need to talk to someone else because I know from experience that they don't, they're not owning it. But sometimes they'll go, oh, okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Give me your phone number again. I, I make sure there's a reaction that tells me that they get what I mean. If they don't get it, then I got to go someone else, to someone else. Especially in Hawaii. You guys think it's bad on the mainland? Oh my God. The standards for, for competence in, in the Hawaiian Islands are a whole new level of bad in general. So that's where I had to learn this. Related to communication, make sure you respond to all direct questions. That's a really common one. If there's a direct question in an email, before you respond to an email, there's a really simple thing to do. You write your response to the email, then you look back at what the original email was before you hit send and you ask yourself, have I addressed everything? Usually just looking for the question marks in the, in the email you got is a good way to do that. Then you ask yourself, it just takes 20 seconds. You read what you wrote, your final proof, and then you look at what just got asked of you and you ask yourself, did I address everything? If someone has to repeat the question, you screwed up. Okay, that's your feedback. That's a kind of reminder. And then you don't say things like, oh, yeah, thanks for clarifying. No, you say, sorry, you had to repeat the question. I just wasted your time and mine. In content, it may sound kind of tight or, you know, anal or, or whatever, but what it does is it focuses your attention because just making sure just this change in how you relate to voicemails and emails focuses your attention that changes your experience of your entire life. Because if you don't notice day to day how many people are not answering questions, it's, it's, it's an epidemic. Look at any journalist talking to any politician and, and you'll, you may, for every minute you'll need a hand to count the number of times they don't actually answer the question. And this has gotten really bad. Journalism didn't used to be like this. But now that the journalists are owned mostly by corporations, they can't push very hard because the corporations are paying off the Congress people. And so there's no real accountability anymore. It's also part of just the dumbing down of, of uh, intellectual rigor. Also re regarding communication, speaking of what I was just talking about, risk the discomfort of being direct in a respectful way. Avoid talking around issues. That wastes a lot of time too. Say what you mean, mean what you say. That's a kind of integrity, right? That's a kind of wholeness. And we live in a world where directness is seen as aggressive, confrontative. I was talking to a client yesterday who didn't do an assignment, a really important one, to write a vision because he's risking losing a really key employee because he's not managing them very well. And I gave him an assignment to help with that and he didn't do it. And when he was unapologetic and dismissive of it, I said, what is your relationship to the fact that you haven't done this assignment? He's like, what do you mean? I go, well, does it matter to you that you haven't done this assignment? He's like, I don't know, maybe a little. So I started to turn up the heat. So like this 
doing this is going to help you ask yourself why you're not doing it. At some point in there, he said, well, I feel like I'm being scolded. I said, okay, you feel like you're being scolded. What is your evidence that you're being scolded? He had nothing to say. Have I raised my voice? No. Am I calling you names? No. Am I insinuating that you're worthless as a person? All the things that scolding usually entails? No. Okay. Then take responsibility for your projection because there's no scolding here. This is just reality. This is just reality. Mr. Trump, it's simply not factual that your electoral college win was the biggest in history. It was bested not only by uh, Obama in the last election, but by the first George Bush. So what you said was factually untrue. And then he said, well, that's the information I was given. He said, this happened back in February. Well, that's the information I was given. Okay. Well, Mr. President, that you were given this information does not let you off the hook for having peddled it as a lie. And there are many other circumstances in which you're infamous for not telling the truth. And then he said, well, that's just the information I was given. And I've seen that information around. That was what he said at the end. I've seen that information around as if that somehow legitimizes it. And then the journalist said, why should the American people trust you when you uh, give out information like this? And, and, And Trump interrupted and said, well, you'd agree it was a substantial victory, wouldn't you? Quite a deflection, right? You'd agree it was a substantial... What the hell does that mean, a substantial victory? You'd agree it was a substantial victory, wouldn't you? And the journalist just said, you're the president. And that was the end of the interchange. Entertaining, but completely disappointing. Because accountability... Now, in the role of a journalist, it's debatable what the role is. But direct communication would have looked very different. When Trump said, you, you'll agree it was a substantial victory, wouldn't you? Direct and accountable communication would be, sir, that's beside the point. And the fact that you're asking that question means you don't fully understand what's happening here. You just provided factual misinformation to hundreds of millions of people. What is this about? That's accountability. And our journalists don't do this. Even the question, the the question, why should American people uh, trust you? You you know, it looks like incisive journalism. It looks like a direct question. But in in law, they would say that's a call to speculate. Why should American people trust you? Like, what? Uh, how, How should I know? You know, you see how it's not really a direct question? Why should American people trust you when you've said such and such? That's not the issue. The issue is, why did you just lie? What's going, you see, it actually, it's subtle, but it removes the question from the moment where the accountability and directness is to some kind of lofty, abstract statement that that sounds good in, in, in journalism, right? You can imagine reading that in an article. Well, the journalist said, why should the American people trust you? You know, it's got a kind of sensationalized, you know, high energy. Well, the, you know, what a challenge, but, but it's, it's beside the point. The question is, where did you get this information? Did you just make it up on the spot? And why are you, even after I told you it wasn't true, still defending it as if you saw it around somewhere? What other information do you see around and then decide that it's true? 
And every politician, well, not everyone, but most of them do this. And you see how there's no accountability for it? So I say all this, not just to get myself in trouble talking about politics in a business context, though I seem to enjoy doing that. It's exciting, you know? I say this because you likely have not had any modeling for what direct communication really is, beside me. (laughs) Okay? This is not the norm in our world. Soft, weak, indirect, slow communication is the norm. And it doesn't work. Mostly. It's a useful skill at cocktail parties when you're just beginning to hold someone accountable. Hey, you might want to leave your house a little bit earlier if you know there's a lot of traffic on that highway. Great. It's a, that's indirect communication. Terrific. You already know how to do that. But do you know how to do direct communication? And do you have the guts to do it despite the fact that you're afraid? That's courage. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Be sure to visit clearandopen.com for the latest tools, articles, and free resources to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening and bye for now.